Hello and welcome to the Fathering Project podcast. Kathy Gapaya here, and with me tonight is Luke Toki, well known for his humorous confessionals and witty personality on Australian Survivor 2017 and Australian Survivor Champions versus Contenders 2019. Welcome, Luke Toki. Hello. <laughs> Hi, welcome. Welcome to Who's at the Table tonight. It's absolutely wonderful um, to have you at our virtual table, dinner table, and obviously the weekly podcast series. As you know, Luke, this month on the Fathering Channel, we've been exploring resilience, the importance of resilience in our life, how we develop it, and where and how it stands us in good stead later in life. So I can imagine that you must have needed an enormous amount of resilience to get through challenges on Survivor. <laughs> but um, before we unpack this and your experience on Survivor, and now your leading role as a father of three, um, we always start off this segment with what's for dinner tonight. So what are you cooking tonight? Are you a, are you a chef generally at home or is it Mary, your lovely wife, uh, <laughs> a chef? Well, I've got a special one for you. All right. So tonight... We are cooking. We have a sesame seed bun, a flame-grilled beef patty with mayonnaise, lettuce, tomatoes, pickles, ketchup, sliced onion with a side of golden brown fries and a drink. So pretty much if you can't guess that, I'm having actually a Whopper meal. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. That sounds excellent. Um, I'm coming to your place. We've just got chicken tacos at home tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes we just, uh, we kind of just, we do have a couple cheap meals during the week. Uh, We, we, um, Mary cooks. I work a lot. So um, yeah, she cooks for me quite often. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Family, that's that's a great thing to do. Um, I do yeah. most of the cooking at home as well, so it's chicken tacos yeah. tonight, as I said. Um, look, um, just to get started, you auditioned for a reality TV show. Was this something you'd been thinking about for years or was it just on a whim that you, you know, decided to audition for Australian Survivor? Uh, look, uh, for, the, the, for Australian Survivor, uh, my, my situation happened where I walked in on the TV um, one afternoon or whatever, and it was actually the first season that, that was airing. And But I hadn't watched the whole season, so I hadn't even seen it. But it was the last episode, and, and it's one of the probably the most um, – what's engaging finales that you ever see of the, of the franchise, really. It was when uh, you had Lee Castledon on last week or like a little while ago and um, it was him and Christy Bennett and the last episode aired and that's the one I caught. And it was like intense, you know, I had my heart pumping and I watched them um, in the finale stand on this log. And anyways, I watched that whole uh, episode, not realizing I hadn't even watched the whole season. And then right after that episode finished, I was like, damn, that was good. And then it said, if you are thinking about being on the next season of Survivor, apply now. Because, um, you know, uh, um, applications close in two months or something crazy like that. And I was like, and I think I was laying in bed and I didn't even tell, I actually didn't even tell Mary that I, um, well, I decided to apply, you know, that's all I did. I decided to apply and I didn't tell her about it because I thought there's no way I'm going to get in, but I'm just going to put my name in the hat, you know. 
and the process was really long. Like it was quite, um, you know, you got to fill out probably close to 300 questions. You're going to make a video for them, you know, and it's time consuming when you've got work, kids to actually sit on a computer. And, and I think I stayed up one night and I just thought, just nut it out, brother, you know. And, um, and I did it and I made the three-minute video. I didn't do like nothing flash. I just set my phone up. Um, like on the table and just said, hey, how are you? And I'm normally not one of those people that can just like, even now I've got an Instagram with, you know, like thousands and thousands of followers on it and I still don't get it and go, hey guys, hey, it's Luke here. Like I don't do that stuff. I feel like it's, I just struggle with the, the corniness of it. You know, I feel like who am I talking to? Who am I addressing? You know, like, and when I, I actually sat down for the, the three minute video, I sat down, I was like, so, hey, guys, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, and I pumped out a three-minute video just speaking to him saying, hey, hey, how are you? Like, you know, these are my boys. This is what I do, who I am. And I didn't do it any uh, flashy. So that's the really the reason why um, I thought I'd give this game a crack if I could. I thought I wouldn't get in. And somehow I got in, you know. That was very much – that's all it was to it, you know. Fantastic. Well, you obviously have the background and the kind of um, profile that um, they were looking for, and you've done very, very well, obviously. So was it a hugely challenging experience? Was it much harder than you thought it would be? And was there something that really stood out as the biggest challenge while you were doing the 2017 Survivor? Yeah, look, um, the, the chat, like, all right, so watching that last, you know, challenge, I knew it was going to be hard. Like, i got two people sitting on a pole crying, trying to, like, win the game So, and in the rain and stuff. So, you know it's going to be hard. Um, I don't think you can actually prepare, like, how hard, you know. Um, I found my second run at the game was a lot easier because the weather was easier, you know. Really, it's kind of like, um, you know, you hope for good weather. Like, you know, you can't predict how the environment, like the environment, you know, if, if it's going to drop down to one degrees, you know, or if it's going to sit there and stay nice and sunny the whole time you're there. And, you know, so, but the first time uh, we played, I, I don't know what seasons have been like that, but we got hit by the edge of a cyclone and the edge of a cyclone brings rain and that brings rain earlier on in the game. And in, earlier on in the game, they they don't give you you have five sets of uh they give you five items of clothing now they could be socks jocks maybe a jumper another shirt and another pair of shorts or, or whatever or even some thongs or something but they don't give that to you until like day 10 or 12 or whatever it is so you have to rely on exactly what you wore on day one and that's it and day one Guess what I lost? I lost my shirt. I lost my hat in the water. So I was already on the back foot. And then the cyclone hit. And I can't even explain how bad it was. Like there was um, people getting hypothermia. Um, it was like it, there was hardly any moon out, which means it was extra pitch black. It was raining nonstop for potentially like four to five days straight. And at night times, it was like 12 hours of, you know, like, have you ever watched um, like a documentary where the, 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 um, the male 
king emperor um, penguins. And they all, you know how they survive in the Arctic? Yeah, so they, they stick together. together. Yeah, they all huddle together. And the person on the outside stays on the outside for as long as he can and then he pushes him into the middle of the pack where he warms up and then the person in the middle of the pack pushes to the back. That's what happened. But humans on that game for 12 hours and then they didn't even show that. And we were like, man, we were just trying to stay alive like for that long, you know, because it got that intense with the rain coming down sideways. It was cold. And it doesn't, you know, at 7 o'clock it goes nighttime and then it's 8 o'clock. Nine o'clock, ten o'clock. You feel every hour of that because you're like, when the hell is the morning going to come? But you don't. No one's got to watch, so you have to watch the the stars and the, you know, and yeah, it's a long. So yeah, um, that then the starvation. Like um, also, I felt like we struggled really hard because we lost a lot of challenges straight up. If you if you win the first challenge, you shoot, you start off sometimes with a flint. You start off with a, a shelter. You start off with it. And we lost the first challenge. So we didn't get any – we had rice that had no fire, you know, and because it was rainy, you couldn't start a fire. It was super hard. I don't know if you've ever tried to start a fire with two sticks. It's Trust me, it's not easy, you know. And um, Back to so, hunter-gatherer yeah. times. Yeah, like you, I got to a point where I was um, that hungry and that starving that my stomach uh, would tense. So it was like a, um, like your, like, I don't know, have you ever put those abtronics on where you rub the gel on your stomach and then you put it on and it goes, and you put it up to the highest mode and you turn it on for about five to 10 seconds and your whole stomach cramps like that and then it will release and it's like, ooh, that was a tough one, that one. And then it will go on for about, you know, five hours, six hours of you just, you know, you get to the point where you're starving. You're so hungry and then um, and then it goes away and you're right. You're like, oh, I'm not hungry anymore, you know. Um, and then, you know, a couple of hours later you, you have another burst of, oh, I'm starving and then it goes away uh, because you just, you push through it, I guess. I don't know, your body starts um, Dealing with muscles. it. Yeah. yeah. And and do you think having gone through, you know, the cold, as you say, the wet, the hunger, which is not normally something people who live in Australia go through on a regular basis, has that created a different mindset for you whereby you, um, you know, you find that some of the things that you may have thought were hard before you find now quite easy? Uh, you know, I've, I've kind of brushed on this um like I, I find as long as I've got some people around that I can have a laugh with, like it's fine. Like I can go through hardship, you know, as long as I can sit there and have a laugh with people and, you know, you find your people within the group, you know, you find who's serious, who's, who's always, um, who can have a laugh, who can laugh at themselves, who's, you know, so especially earlier on in the day, is um yeah you just uh, or in the in the game you know you find your people um so you yeah you you have to rely on the people around you to have a laugh I always say that uh if you, to keep you, you resilient mm. to keep you resilient yeah you need you need people like uh, I'm I'm a people person I need to I I love to have people around I love to. Um, constantly be laughing and joking and, and have people to bounce off, you know. So I think if I was out there completely by myself, I'd be like, oh, man. Like, so 
it's me laughing about these um, stomach pains with people going, bro, look, watch my stomach tense and twitch. But then if no one's around, then I'm watching it by myself. I'm like, I'm in dire warning right now. Like, I need to get some food, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I always say that if there was, if, if you and me were stuck on a raft and we're floating out of sea and we couldn't see land, I'm telling you, I'd be the person you want to be with because we just keep laughing the whole way until we die, you know what I mean? <laughs> Fantastic. What a great um, answer to, you know, hardship is laugh your way through yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Luke, you're from Perth, same as the Fathering Project, and um, I understand that you're a mining technician. Growing up, you grew up with a number of challenges. Do you think your young years developed your resilience that you've been able to draw on in later years? Uh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Like, I, um, you know, I've had a very uh, tumultuous growing up, um, you know, I, uh, like, I don't know how much we can't, how much detail to go into it, but I've had, yeah, very, um, like, as much as you like. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, um, you know, I kind of grew up, I had a stepfather, uh, you know, I didn't meet my, um, like, you know, I had, I didn't have a father kind of thing. I kind of lived in a, uh, in a foster type of uh, um, home type of thingy, would you say? With, um, uh, with, yeah. Uh, look, I just had a bit of rough growing up with domestic violence and stuff like that. And um, yeah, you know, I feel like I just and and I've also got brothers and sisters, so I haven't had to, um, you know, rely on um, my, myself. Like I've got my brothers and sisters that I've been able to bounce off and. You know, I think that's where the humour comes in because we all pay each other out. And then, you know, then all of a sudden when things got really rough and and stuff, we kind of was still, you know, liaised with each other about what's going on. So we actually had some sort of support there, you know. I know there's some people that don't have brothers and sisters and then all of a sudden they also have bad growing ups and then they're, you know, they kind of would probably fall to the point where they, they hate the world, you know, and, I, and I've, I've never really got to that point because um, I had I had support, I'd, I'd say, even though when, when I was going through shit, you know. Yeah. I think that um, what you're describing there are the perfect foundations for what you did at Survivor. You had the support of your siblings and mm. um, at Survivor you had the support of your teammates, obviously, and the other mm. people who are on the on the show as well. It sounds like an incredible experience. And as you say, your father, you didn't have a great relationship with. Um, and so you've now chosen to be a different kind of dad yourself. So yeah, well, that's what oh, we wanted my, to, my, yeah. Man, my, my kids and the way my kids are growing up right now are like, like, like say for instance, on the complete other scale side of the scale that the, the growing up we had, you know, and um, like, you know, but it, it's, I don't, I don't know. I just, I sit there and, you know, you look, at, it sometimes comes down to the personality of the kids as well. You know, you could, um, you know, I teach my kids manners and I teach my kids, you know, and I kind of feel like that was still half, you know, passed on to us, but it was like, you know, the safety of a home, you know, where your home's your safe place. You know, the, our home wasn't our safe place. It was like our like our nightmare sometimes, you know. So sometimes our friends' houses was our safe place, you know, and, and I kind of grew up 
like I went, I lived with um, these other families and stuff while I was growing up for multiple, you know, years and stuff like that. Um, they they were like my home now, like the home that I have now. So I'd find that they, you know, their my mates, dads and stuff became probably more of a influence to me and what I kind of seen and what I wanted for my kids than what I would see in my own home, you know? Um, yeah, it's finding, yeah, absolutely. We find at the Fathering Project that, you know, a father or a father figure, other role models are critically important. And um, if it's not your own father, then it can be an uncle, a friend's dad um, that can play that part as well. But um, when you found out you were going to become a dad um, with your lovely wife, Mary, how did this change your life? Was it a radical change? Did you find it a smooth transition? And what did you say to yourself about fatherhood? Uh, ooh, uh, it could, uh, so our, my change from where I was to becoming a father was a very, very radical one. I wasn't ready for to be a dad. I was financially not ready. I don't think I was growing up enough to look after another another child, a child, you know. Um, I was living in a house with like four other guys, you know what I mean? So it was a full bachelor pad. Um, yeah, I was working away. I was ready and then uh, it kind of got, you know, thrust upon me and, and then I was, um, you know, you either you step up or, you know, and it's sink or swim, I suppose, you know, like I think that the, the one of the biggest, um, you know, I know there's a lot of single fathers there that, that kind of, you know, go that route and they, they continue that route and they're still good fathers, you know, and you get some people that will stick it out and then they have, they actually have good, a good marriage, a good partnership. But I feel like that's always sometimes um, is, uh, well, in my case, it was, you know, it was what has led for me to have such like a good, you know, um, stable home for my kids is I ended up with a really good mother, a really good uh, partner and, um, and she, she like holds it down in, in the house. Like, you know, I, I, it, it takes two to tango. And if all of a sudden you have one person that's working and got good goals for their kids and then ones that, that doesn't, and the one that's very selfish and, you know, and doesn't want to be that, you know, step up to be a mother or, or doesn't, or a father doesn't want to step up to be a father. Like, you know, so it's um, to get two people that want the same thing and then actually don't really fight that often either. You know, that's what creates a good home because if you're always fighting and then you're yelling and screaming and, you know, people are throwing shit or, you know, it starts turning domestic, well, your your children are going to have a good growing up because all they see is you fighting and throwing shit around the house and, you know, cops being called and, and you know, like stuff like that. So it's kind of um, – I was just fortunate that, uh, you know, I, I guess I'm – you know, I met Mary and – and Mary end up being um, so great, and and I've been mediocre. <laughs> I'm sure you're not. I'm sure you're a fantastic dad, <laughs> nah, and also, I but you're it. right. It's a partnership. It's an absolute partnership yeah. to make things happen. Yeah. Um, it's very hard for single mums and single dads. Mm. And um, you have a son who has autism. Um, yeah. How does that change you? your oldest and the one that you weren't ready for, Ooh. but um, how has that changed yeah. you? 
Uh, yeah. Well, obviously finding out, well, I had, it was first, my son had not spoken a word uh, and well, he was three years old and still hadn't spoken a word. I would come home from work and say, Hey, uh, how's your day? You know, and he wouldn't say anything. And his, his, uh, his wording was coming out weird. So when he wanted a drink, he would say gui gui. And so I was like, well, that doesn't even sound close to drink, brother. <laughs> but I had to learn, um, you know, I was getting taught that I might need to learn like sign language because, you know, he was three, hadn't said a word. We used to, ha- I, I had, um, you know, I've kind of learnt and just progressed with him as a father. I think, you know, it's not like I'm supposed to know it all. The moment I hear the word autism, I never even heard the word, you know. And all I knew is when he turned three and he couldn't talk or say anything, um, I compared him to my mate's son, which was three, which could legit talk to him like a like a like an adult nearly, you know. And I was like, holy, there is a massive difference, you know, between your son and my son. Um, so, you know, I, I remember sitting there and we got the diagnosis, and and then I started trying to. Um, uh, well, I would make pictures of stuff in the fridge and and I would have the words next to him and I'd try to get him to point what he wanted, like he wanted chalk milk or something like that. So that's when it slowly started. I started really quite, you know, seeing if I can get him um, to not like, you know, to round out his words and stuff. But as he got older, it started coming, you know, like words started coming because, even his name was Lennox, but his name, he would say Wahi, Wahi. And then Wahi turned into Lahi, you know, and then it was like Lenny, Lenny, Lennox. And then eventually he got it. And we were like, hey, you got your own name, like, you know. So his words started rounding out, you know, as he turned four, turned five. He got in, um, it changed my whole uh, living. So we had to move away from where we were because we were living up in the country. Uh, we had to move uh, back to Perth because obviously there's no really help for uh, special needs kids in a country town. So, yeah, we moved back and uh, we got put into like a uh, special, kind of like a, um, uh, what's it called, special needs school uh, where it was like, which was quite good. Like the government and everything been really good. Like they put it, they've got a class where there's like five kids to like five teachers. So each teacher has like nearly a designated kid, you know? So they actually get to watch over them, help them while at school, and then they come back and we would do that, you know? Anyways, and um, uh, so anyways, like the help got well. We just, we've just been following the process. He's, uh, he's, uh, his personality is, is really like nice natured he's like an old soul you know he's got like he's a maturity about him you know if he's tired he'll he'll there's like 10 kids here he'll he'll go and take himself to his own room and 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 get away from the sound and get away from the noise and because that's you know we used to take him to the shops and he'd hold his hands over his ears you know because it was just too much going on it was like uh hypersensitivity or something you know um he's really good with numbers like you can sit there and go what's seven times seven and this was like when he's like five or whatever and he'd be like 49 you know and you'd be like what you didn't even work that out like he just like He's good with numbers, you know, and, and they say most autistic kids are. And, uh, highly so, intelligent, yeah. yeah. There's a there's yeah, end of exactly. the spectrum. They're very highly intelligent. 
Yeah. Yeah, they are. And he's and um so, you know, like I, I've I we made the decision to get him out of uh the special needs school because we found that some of the kids uh in his class were a lot worse, where maybe even behavioural uh, ways where they were like um you know, they were like angry, you know, angry special needs where like he's quite extremely placid. Um, and his word, wording started getting better and, you know, everything, everything about him has, has like got like, I'd say the trajectory from, from zero to three was nothing. Like it was just a straight line. Like he wasn't improving, wasn't getting anywhere from then from three to moving back to um, North, like to, to Perth, he has got better and better and better. It's just like it's like it's taken off now, you know. And now I can I can actually see him and watch him, and he's eight years old, and I can see at twenty years old, you're not going to see any any type of um, uh, you know, any you wouldn't difference. Even think he's autistic. Yeah, you wouldn't think he's autistic, and I can just see that, you know. At the moment, he still talks a bit like a robot, like he'll be like, uh, 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 you know, but um, it's. Yeah, like I just think with his um, personality and like I wouldn't change it for the bloody world. Yeah, he, well, the support yeah, he's had know. from you and Mary and the family as well. Brilliant. He's just such a nice kid. Like, you know what I mean? I could get a kid without autism that's just a pain in the ass. you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and it's probably hard on work. But he's, yeah, like, um, you know, I think with the right support around him, I just think he's going to be a model citizen you know like <laughs> fantastic and in the middle of all this you made it back to champion of champions was that something mm. you did um you know to prove something or was it done for the family how how, how did that come about uh yeah I, so it kind of i got i actually got called up and asked if i wanted to play and you know, this, the the issue was my do- um, my wife. We worked it out was pregnant at the time, and then she would have had the baby, and then six weeks later, after having the baby, I would have gone and played. And the uh, the financial, I, I was getting like you know getting paid to play. So there's a lot, obviously, a little bit of a financial gain there, which I felt like we kind of would have definitely loved to have at that time. And the other um, issue was well, this is the opportunity, as in I'm going to be the first person. I didn't know if there was other players going to be playing, but I felt like I was going to be the first person because I uh, called back, and that's a huge thing for me. You know, to be the first person in Australia that played twice is also a, a massive achievement, you know. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, um, okay, so the baby's born, I get six weeks with the baby. And then I'm like, all right, I need to take off. I go out there, I get voted out pretty early, I come home, you know. So I, and, then, and then the financial gain of it. So I was just like, oh, this is, could be a win-win-win. Even if I get voted out, it doesn't matter because, you know, that's the game. And, um, yeah, I was just lucky enough to, um, I guess, do so well. Um, but then unlucky because then there was the issues with my daughter um, having to spend the first – uh, three weeks in hospital and have surgery, and then I left with her uh, with the her um well her her intestines were outside. She was had a, she had a um a colostomy bag, you know. So we'd been changing the colostomy bag every day, three times a day because she's got cystic fibrosis that kept slipping off, and you'd have shit all over it because you're having a 
push, I don't know if you yeah, or if you know much about the colostomy bags, but with a baby, it's even like it's harder because hard. you have to like keep her intestines going. So you've got to like put the shoot, like suck the shit out of the colostomy bag, and then you got to put it back in her intestines and you got to do that and then you got to clean it and it's bleeding and then it's like then on top of it the bag would keep slipping off which then the shit would go all over her clothes and once it's all over her clothes you got to throw it out and that's what was happening like for the first six weeks you know and it was and then on top of it the missus was in hospital in a different hospital the baby got taken away for her got put in a different hospital i was having to drop the kids off at school drive up to hospital see missus, then drive to the other hospital, then drive back down to get the kids. And then I'm also running a business and trying to work at the same time. So it was like, yeah. And then I'm also trying to prepare for Survivor, knowing that I'm going to be on the beach starving. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I went in like, you know, people were like, oh, he's uh, like, obviously I didn't really go in. I had a, had a bit of a, uh, nearly a takeaway diet because I was on, I was on the road, you know, and, and had a lot going on. So yeah, I definitely didn't prepare for that second season that well, but the lucky thing I knew was you want to go in fat anyways, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like who cares about being fit and stuff? Because in the end you're going to be starving and that, that <laughs> your body's going to want some fat reserves to eat it off because you, that's the, the game, you know? So uh, yeah, it was very, it was, uh, and you know what? Yeah, it was, it was just a very, very lucky how everything's turned out for me, you know. Like, it could have definitely gone the other way with my daughter being at home and, and not being in a great position and then having to go for surgery, you know. And, and it happens, you know. Like, sometimes you get to plan for the worst, but also, like, plan for your future, you know. And, and you kind of – it's uh, – It's hard. Yeah, you just – yeah, it's it is a juggle, you know. It is, yeah. And um, what do you think have been the hardest obstacles for you as a father to work through? And what would you say to fathers going through similar challenges? Ooh, um, yeah. Look, I think um, I think the one thing is definitely just uh, not put so much stress on each other to like, you know, to be. Um, you know, every every day resets, you know, and you could have a bad day. Like I had a bad day yesterday. I felt like everything was going wrong for me and I was getting so stressed out. And I'm like, oh, just sometimes you just need to reset and um, and go again, you know, like because, you know, um, the bad times, just like in Survivor, they don't last, you know, you have good times, you know, and, and, and like in life, I think it just goes in waves. Like you, you, you could be having a bad two months, three months, and then next, the next three months after that, they're great, you know? And so, yeah. So I think just, um, and with the, the situation with the kids, I guess is that you want the advice aid from fathers to kids and stuff. That's what you're after. Yeah. 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 Um, yes, anything that you can, t- I mean, there's a lot of fathers that go through, mothers too, go through similar challenges, but it seems like you've got a very positive outlook um, yeah. and you flow with whatever needs to be done. Yeah, well, uh, look, I, I think, um, yeah, as I said for me, I'm just super optimistic. You know, I, I if all of a sudden, uh, you know, if if there's something bad going on, I'm constantly like, oh, she'll be right, you know, she'll be right. Like, don't, like, don't let it affect you too much because it's a snowball effect. If, if, if you get really worked up over something, well, then it's working something, someone else up that, that's in your 
um, vicinity. Like if I come back completely flustered, upset, and I'm like putting it on my, my wife, next minute she's flustered, upset. Then I'm trying to calm her down. So what it does is just a snowball. Like you, you, um, you pretty much create the environment. So I do – Look, you know, it's hard because I give I'm giving advice out, but even I struggle with it sometimes. You know, I struggle we all with, do. Uh, yeah, with when sometimes shit's just getting on top of me. Um, you know, I kind of I do like to sometimes just take a step back, and even if if things are going on, I'll, I'll go for a drive or something, and um, you know, kind of play some music or just just get away from, um, you know, especially with the babies, like so with the son being the autistic and the daughter being cystic fibrosis and us running up and down to the, you know, all that stuff was getting on top. And when I get so frustrated where I can't sort the baby out or the, the shit's everywhere or whatever, I, I'm just like someone else needs to step in now. Like I'm I'm at my wit's end yeah. and, and, and like I need to get, the hell out of this that's situation. Yeah, that's you know, good. so and because some people just try to t- like it's it's just me. It's just oh, I need to do it. I need to do it. But you, you don't you don't realize you don't just need to do it. There is support there. You know, just out of the blue, we we um we'll have the baby and then uh, I'll be struggling with it and then I'll give it to Mary and then she'll be struggling. And then I'll go back in fresh, like I'm fresh again. You know. You know, and I'll be like, I'm happy to look after or whatever. And then we sometimes, you know, now we, uh, she's old enough, we kind of get the mum to look after her for, um, you know, a, a couple hours or something just to give us both just a minute as well, you know. And um, so, yeah, I think it's always, I think it's been, it's it's really drilled um, through to us. And I think a lot of times to always reach out, I guess, and get support on stuff like that. But I think especially in those high intense situations where you just have had enough step away. Yeah. And how is, um, that's great advice, actually step away when you need to, um, how is family determining your work-life balance and vision for the future, Luke? Ooh. Um, yeah, I think, um, well, I'm in a very lucky situation now where, you know, I, I kind of, where I'm at financially and where I'm at work wise and everything, it's, it's, um, where I should be in 30 years, you know, so I'm completely ahead of the curve, but, uh, for me, it's and now I'm, I'm looking at ways to actually, um, work less and, be around my kids a bit more. I've I always had this goal that I really wanted to do, and that's be like a coach of like a, of my kids' sporting. Because I just feel like I'm um like like when I'm I feel like when I'm not around people, I actually feel like I'm underutilized nearly because I feel like I can actually offer a lot and a lot of like um like you know if it's not just for my own kids um but it's like for, for others as well. So I feel like I'd love to just be a sports teacher for whatever they do, if they're swimming or, or they're, um, Soccer. Uh, basketball or something. yeah, I probably would struggle with like adults and stuff because I'm probably not that <laughs> trained up, you know, I'll be like getting them to run around the cones and stuff, you know what I mean? But, uh, um, yeah, I think that I just, I'm trying to right now is just find more time to uh, probably be even more of a, uh, to be in the community, I feel like, you know, I've always been, I need to make money. I've got three kids to support. I've got a wife to support. I'm busting my ass. I'm working, working, working. 
and ne- and I've never been a part of the community in a way. Like I've just like I tried. To, you know, I suppose when I was up in up in the um, country town, I did some volunteer ambulance officer. So that was the the most I've been in the community. But when it comes to down here, I, I'm too run off my feet to, you know, in my spare times at home with the kids if I can get yeah. it. You know. Absolutely. Well, that's the best thing to do, really, spend time with your kids. Um, Luke, thank you so much for spending Friday night with us. I hope you enjoy your Whopper (laughs) and drink. (laughs) And um, it's been delightful talking to you. Uh, Listeners, in August, we'll be focusing on bullying and cyberbullying. So please join us um, again next week and after that for our podcast. Luke Toki, thank you so much. It's been delightful having you at our table tonight. (laughs) Thank you.